Optimist Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me today for our 200th episode, it's Adam Myros. So we got a big lineup today, right? Like, we, we got the whole crew out in force. Oh, absolutely. We got, we got everybody's coming back. Uh, uh, Eric's coming. You remember Eric? <laughs> oh, yeah, Eric. Where's, where's Eric? What's, what's Eric's last name? I don't even know Eric's last Bailey, name. Bailey, I Bailey, Eric, Eric Bailey. Bailey. Hey, he's back. Uh, Jake's here. Sean's here. Coleman's here. Who who else is like a like a a temp that doesn't? Uh, uh, Alistair. Alistair. <laughs> oh, I mean he's like friend of the show, per, perennial guest. Uh, what about sure. uh, De- Devlin Satan Fingers? Well, I he, he's never really podcasted. We tried to make him once, and he, he was very annoyed by the entire ordeal. Yeah, yeah. We all just like blacked out, drunk, and lost the recording. How sad. Yes. Uh, but yeah, this is a this is a time of celebration, and those who can't be with us, uh, rest assured, we're gonna we're gonna drop in some little nuggets from them. So uh, you, you're gonna get a little something here. Also joining us, Jack Eason. Yeah, I I gotta go for the whole thing because um, you know I think other people are gonna drop by. Is my understanding? I didn't know so many were gonna drop by. A real celebration, big two oh. zero zero. Big, uh, big but I'm, I'm gonna be here for the whole the whole haul. So apologies in advance. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to. I'm going to post a, a Google Voice number so people can leave us voicemails uh, congratulating us on 200 episodes. But in reality, it's just going to be people telling us to go fuck ourselves. So looking forward to that. You uh, really shattered the illusion that they were here all along. Yeah, maybe Colin <laughs> edit this part out. No, let's yeah, no glimpse behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be really good. Colin uh, should well, weigh I mean, in. Say hello. He's you know he's been. Oh uh, yeah. He's been a central central backbone of the, the, the whole thing. The whole thing. We got video now. Yeah, we got yeah. Little, little preview videos. We got we got like consistent production. There's all kinds of stuff going on here. Yeah, all we need now is like research and shit, and we might actually have a real podcast. Oh my god. Yeah, he, uh, he has that. really allowed me to keep my sanity as the uh, the school load is ramped up here. So yeah, we, we probably would be like not making it to two hundred without without the <laughs> editing. <laughs> Shout out to Colin. Uh, well, and, and, you know, Sean was going to be here. He was, he was a last minute cancellation. Unfortunately, he, uh, he had some things pop up. He, he forgot that tonight he was actually performing some slam poetry, so he wasn't able to make it. So, uh, Sean, I hope that goes well for you. You guys, you guys know about his slam poetry project, right? Oh yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, you look at Sean, you think slam poetry guy. Yeah. There's a guy who likes slamming some poetry. And with Sean, you know, he was so inspired by Hamilton. I mean, God, he watches it. Oh, geez, he probably fires up that Disney Plus every other day to watch it. And he said, I got to I got to do something like this. So he's got a new slam poetry series. It's a it's a three hour poem that he has developed and it's called Woodrow. And it's about his favorite president, Woodrow Wilson. Don't and, don't even speak it into existence. This is the kind of <laughs> shit that white America would lose themselves over. I mean, it couldn't I be said, worse, right? I said, Sean. I said, Sean. Woodrow Wilson. That seems like a weird choice. And and he all he said was, "Listen, when it comes to American presidents, I look at you know what's what's their political philosophy, what's their personal philosophy, who are they as people?" And he said, "My moral compass it aligns completely with Woodrow Wilson." That's what he said. So there you go. Wow. That's I was gonna do one on Taft, but um I started up writing the scene, of course, when he got stuck in the bathtub. Mm, uh, and then yeah. I realized that Taft and Fat 
don't rhyme with each other. And then I also oh, remember yeah. that I don't actually know anything else about Taft. So it kind of, you know, it's still, we'll say it's still in development. If anyone's interested, reach mm-hmm. out to me. I could I could probably read Wikipedia or whatever. We could work on some stuff. But well, I really me, would like to just change Taft. his name to Tash because then it could be like President uh. Tat is really fat. And the rest will roll off after that. It'll be easy. Yeah. I, I mean, we can work. We can workshop it because I mean, Taft, interesting guy. He was a tub buster, obviously, but he was sure. also a trust buster. OK, he didn't I didn't like know those, those big companies merging together. Oh, yeah. If, if he was here right now, he'd tell fucking, uh, you know, Zuckerberg to suck his little dick. He'd be like, let me let me pull back my giant protruding stomach. So you can see my my little micro penis. And I want you to suck it, Zuckerberg. That's what have, say have you seen the footage? Just uh, not too much of a tangent. The footage going around of Mark Zuckerberg doing like MMA training. Yeah, oh, it's cool because like, I mean, there's a very short list of people in the universe that I feel like in a physical altercation I could get the best of. All right, it's incredibly small, incredibly small, and even after watching Zuckerberg do MMA and knowing that like he doesn't actually have any day-to-day responsibilities and he can focus completely on training, I still think I could kick his ass. Oh no, hundred percent. He would just gouge his eyes out. I mean, he's, he's a hundred percent. He would be calculating based on everything they taught him the best way. I just think it's really funny because it's just like this man just cannot be human. He can't register as human at all. He's really trying something wrong with them but anyway it's kind of nice to just know that billionaires can just they'll just never be normal mm-hmm. it's a small Did you comfort see the in fucked that up like zinc oxide picture of zuck on vacation oh yeah it's yeah horrifying, yeah. <laughs> horrifying. What, uh, what is happening why are we watching all these fucking zuck <laughs> like Dude, oh, no, the no, life no. and times of zuck you did zuck is always there because every time zuck like posts something personal it's He's 100% a lizard person. No no question. No he, question. He cannot be normal. The video of him like grilling with the boys in the backyard and he's got his little green egg and he just says the words sweet baby rays a thousand times in the span of two and a half minutes. It's absolutely unhinged. Would well, not I'm be glad s- he sprung for that like dollar ninety nine barbecue sauce yeah. for this fucking billions of dollars. <laughs> he probably did extensive research. He found out it was the most popular barbecue sauce in America, and he wanted to uh, be like those people. Like this, it's true. I mean, you're gonna spend less than five dollars on a bottle of barbecue sauce at any grocery store in America. What do you reach for? What's the one thing where it's like this is guaranteed to be absolutely fine? And the it's answer is, it's a good is, choice. It's a good we choice. We baby raise. And Zuck knows this because he's fucking tapped into the algorithm, man. He knows. He knows this shit. And then he's like, oh, wow. I, I am, you know, I'm seen as like weak and, and cowardly and I, and I don't have a physical presence. What is the symbol of, of like masculinity in America? And the answer is Sweet MMA. Sweet baby rays. <laughs> no, yeah. He, he grills with the boys. He <laughs> makes some ribs with the boys. He, he slathers on the sweet baby rays because he's a man of the people. And then he does his MMA training because MMA is is cool. This is all like calculated, completely calculated. Well, you know, and MMA is not cool. Let's just get that out of the way. It, it sucks. It, it's not to to the say kind of people that Mark Zuckerberg wants to appeal to. Yeah. Now you want to watch ultra violence? Just let's get back to boxing, people. I, I know no. it's a corrupt sport, but at Listen, least it's it's entertainment as opposed to this fucking bullshit that they all try and pull Zuck off wants. MMA. All Zuck wants is the respect of a man in an affliction t-shirt. Okay. That is, that is all he lives for. He needs that. And he's never gotten it. And he probably will never get it. 
Uh, because we can see through his bullshit. We know. We fucking know. Pretty soon he's um, going to be grilling goats in the fucking metaverse and, and trying to, and like, it's going to be amazing. It'll be another layer of him not quite getting humanity right, but now with no legs. Yeah. I can't wait. Why does, that's the thing. Like, just, you know what? Embrace the fact that you're a disgusting little reptile and do something fucked up. Like, dig a fucking hole in your backyard, throw some hot coals in it, and just, like, roast a goat. Just do it, man. Do something I, fucking crazy. I just don't have that uh, billionaire mindset. I suppose you probably have to have it to get to the, the billionaire uh, level. But to me, if I had a billion dollars, then no one would ever photograph me again. <laughs> That's... Yeah, I don't, I don't understand. How do you not go like full, like just, just recluse billionaire, like no one's going to look at yeah. me? It seems pretty simple. I think this ties in really well, actually, with the film we're about to discuss, just in terms of the, the habits and predilections of rich people. Oh, does it ever? And let me tell you, before we get to the actual topic, I, I, I want to, a lot of people are probably saying 200, it's a special episode. You guys always do something special for these landmark episodes. Was it 100 or was it 90 or was it 150 when we did Steven Grew? When was that? Uh, we did Grew and we did, uh, we did someone else too. We usually do feature like some oddball uh, filmmakers uh, on these event episodes. I think we did Grew for 100. And then we did someone else for 150. I don't remember who. Mm -hmm. No, it was a real landmark, I mean, though. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, and and Stephen Grew really. I mean, he made that happen because keep in mind he like reached out to me on Facebook and was like, "Hey, you son of a bitch!" And I was like, "Whoa, buddy, pump the brakes. Let's talk." <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Anyways, why why are we here? And the answer is is because I had a dream, and in that dream. I, uh, I, I dreamt that basically we ascended to the top of the iTunes charts and we became podcast royalty. And I'm sure you're saying, well, how, how did you do it? You know, what was, what was the vision? And the answer is we did an episode of optimism vaccine on a movie about a talking horse with Bobcat in it. And I, and I woke up from this dream and I was just like, that's so fucking weird and oddly specific. And then we, I looked into it. And wouldn't you know, in 1988, Bobcat Goldthwait did a talking horse movie called Hot to Trot. And so here we are. We're making the dream a reality. We're going to ascend into the podcast cosmos to truly become, you know, the, the influential mega podcasters that we were born to be. And the way we're going to do it is through the power of a talking horse. So Hot to Trot is here. You, you've really followed up like our basic, uh, our premise here. Cause that's, that is what we did. It was, uh, it was Stuart Paul, by the way, was 150. Oh okay. yeah. Jesus. Uh, how could I forget Stuart <laughs> Paul? I see. Yeah. I feel like Stuart Paul falls through the cracks cause his movies are at least serviceable, but it's Stephen Paul. I will never forget his films because they physically injured me. Right, but he's not like uh, interesting enough filmmaker to to feature. We we try and pull out some odd ducks that are entertaining. Like I would say, uh, if I were pitching two hundred, it would have been Doug Phillips. We'll have to save old Doug for two fifty. Uh, Steve can finally bust out the the lightning strikes twice DVD I bought him, and oh, yeah. uh, we can get that going. But listen, but it's instead a we have to follow you your me. dream. The things we take so long that like eventually these like no one ever heard of them filmmakers that we all keep batting on about like suddenly they have fucking like load supplement loaded vinegar syndrome <laughs> blu-rays <laughs> as happened of course with uh champagne and bullets 
Yeah, I, I'd like to think that we're like, you know, one of those influential bands from like 50 years ago that people will one day rediscover and be like, yeah, they were right. Uh, but we won't be because podcasting is ephemeral and annoying. So we're just, you know, uh, we're just the, 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 the black mold that grows around the, the bowl of your toilet in a ring, uh, but in audio form. So, yeah. Yeah, well, anyone who wants to hear about Doug Phillips before we get to 250, we did a, a special on him in our uh, Steve and I's other podcast, uh, Caustic Content, back before we ran out of steam on that. Yeah, but you, uh, it, it'll come back someday. Uh, you can quote me on that. But uh, yeah, there's there's a couple of things that I can't wait to expose uh, the likes of, of Jack and Jake to uh, in his, his catalog of films. Yeah. Truly, truly a visionary. Now, talking hot to trot. Yes, uh, yeah. Let's everyone get is so I hear. There's so much yeah, to so get into here. Nation please. is hot to trot fever. Let me let me give you a little background on hot to trot. If you're not familiar, uh, outside of the basic premise of it's a talking horse. And wait, Steve, can I give my guess before you get into it? Here's my sure. guess. Here's how this movie came to be. Some guy got really high, and and another friend of his said the phrase "horse trading," and he was like, "Aha!" And then this movie j existed. I mean, that, that that's a a good guess as any, but yeah, I I don't know where the idea came from, but I just the told studio you, I <laughs> was very hot for this script for some reason. They were dedicated uh, uh, to making it happen. What so, script? Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Originally, Hot to Trot was conceived as a vehicle for Joan Rivers in the Bobcat Goldthwait role. What? <laughs> and then Elliot Gould was the voice of the horse. Okay, and... now you got me back on board again. <laughs> I, okay, yeah. I can see this. So what happened, and this is a little dicey because I went through and I, I actually did a lot of research for this episode. And I, I read every single, like, old review, interview, both old and new, about Hot to Trot, to try and figure out just, like, how this came to be. Because when you watch the movie, I think th the most common reaction that people are going to have if they watch Hot to Trot is, like, I need to know everything about this. I want commentaries, I want behind the scenes, I want featurettes, I need to know everything. Because everything in this movie is just so chaotic, it, 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 you know there's some shit going on behind the scenes that doesn't make any sense. So, this movie was developed for Joan Rivers and Elliot Gould. And here's where things get a little confusing. Uh, there was a test screening. It is unclear... Well, one thing that is clear is Elliot Gould in the test screening version is the voice of the horse. 100%. There is a version of this movie with Elliot Gould as the talking horse. There are different reports that either the test screening was with, with Bobcat or it was actually with Joan Rivers. As in, Joan Rivers shot this whole ass movie and then they didn't release it because it tested so poorly. There's not enough money in the world for there to be two distinct different cuts of hot fucking trot. Oh, there are. I mean, at the, there, there absolutely is, because there is an Elliot Gould cut that exists. Well, that well they we wouldn't know, have but, to film it yeah. any different for an Elliot yeah, Gould cut, Steve. So, they decide to recast the Joan Rivers role, and they bring in Bobcat. Now, why is Bobcat your choice? I don't know. At this point, 
He's known for the Police Academy series and then his supporting role in Burglar, which we covered on the Whoopathon. Uh, if you want to go back into the Optimism Vaccine archives, Whoopi Goldberg movie. And Bobcat, he's he's got his funny voice. <laughs> That's how he talks. And he is a great, like, fun, weird, quirky character actor, supporting role guy. Can that silly voice thing support, like, an actual lead? Well, no. Who's to say? <laughs> but <laughs> Hot to Trot is going to be his big breakthrough. <coughs> they bring him in. And then they have to do a bunch of reshoots for this movie. According to the crew, this was uh, a difficult shoot, at least the reshoot. Uh, the reshoot. Well, maybe might have something to do with the fucking horse. <laughs> Well, they were subjected to exhaustingly long shooting schedules uh, to kind of expedite this reshoot process and get the revised version of the film out sooner. Um, people have mentioned the abuse of the onset animals. Uh, Gilbert Gottfried actually said that uh, the main one of the main horses they were using to play Don the talking horse was beaten and whipped in the mouth repeatedly before each take to get lip movements uh, to be dubbed over later. And then Bobcat had said in a wonderful podcast interview where some dipshit movie podcaster is trying to do like a live Q and a with him before a screening of God bless America. And he starts off with a question about hot to trot as a joke. And then Bobcat leans into it. Like he's fucking Andy Kaufman and will only talk about hot to trot for this like 90 minutes fucking <laughs> Q and a. And during this Bobcat mentions that, for most of the horse scenes, they would do like 70 takes and Bobcat was like losing his mind. He was like, what are you fucking Stanley Kubrick? Basically, uh, Bobcat, the director did not get along. Uh, Bobcat actually became a director because of his experience on this movie. And he was like, this guy is such a dipshit. There's no way I could actually do a worse job. And uh, God, I, what could have been because Tim Burton was actually offered Hot to Trot, which he turned down so he could make Pee-wee's Big Adventure. But that's... So there's a lot of, like, alternate want, Hot to Trot universes going on here. I'm curious, because... They, okay, so, they, so you, Joan Rivers is out. They want to get Bobcat in. But then Virginia Madsen's entire role would, like, was... I mean, unless her and Joan were hooking up, that was that a change in addition? Like, I don't know. There couldn't have been a no. full cut of this film previously. Again. They, there is no way to know really like what is uh, like, you know, what's in the original script versus what had to change when Bobcat came in. On top of that, when you watch the movie, there's some big time set pieces that obviously feel like, you know, these are baked into the script. There's a lot that goes on in this movie where you're like, OK, we've got the horse in a room and we're just going to ad lib and just do whatever for this part. Um, yeah, that's that's ninety percent of the movie. I'm pretty sure. I was gonna take an objection because in, you said you said there's a lot in this movie, and I was immediately like, "What? No, no, that's not correct." <laughs> I'm I'm just well, gonna go back to the, that they hit the horse in the mouth to get the li like everything in it. Just I just assume they smeared his mouth with peanut butter. Like you can do oh, that. Oh no! No, what, this, like, this horse you, was rampantly abused. They could have. This is like fucking finding out about how they fucking beat an orangutan to death for every which way but loose. Like this yeah, is this is horrifying. <laughs> what the fuck? 
I mean, and, and there's the idea that they wanted to work with a real ass horse to begin with. And, and also and, 70 know, takes. I'm Did Robert Brisson even do that with the donkey and all hazard Balthazar? <laughs> like, what the ever loving fuck are they doing? There's not enough cocaine to get everyone in there for 70 takes. I listen, I, I, I don't know. I'm just. This is just going off of, of the research I've done here. This is horrifying. Uh, this is like it unlocking is a secret level of the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And and so and there was like so there were and there were three horses that played Don, just so you know. There was the talking Don, there was a listening Don, uh, and then there was a riding Don. So those and then there the was presumably Don's. Don's corpse or whatever mm. after all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And corpses. Uh, there were three. <laughs> So if, if you're wondering about more of the animal abuse on set, uh, apparently... I wasn't, not the but cute go, pooch. Yeah. Don't say the yeah. cute pooch. No, the cute pooch is fine. So uh, the horse would, would get a boner all the time, and there was a lady whose specific job was to stop the horse's boner, so he would start getting a boner, and this lady would walk up to it and slap it with the back of her hand and then spray it with ice water to get his dick to go down. <laughs> They could have at least jerked it off. Come on, have some courtesy. I know, have some courtesy. That, that would Jesus seem like a better Christ. long-term solution, right? Yeah. I mean, if you if you whack, like, I don't know a lot about horses, but I'm going to guess if you whack it off, you've probably got a couple of hours, right? Yeah, I would think. I would think. So, obviously, horrific conditions. Now, they shoot the movie. Bobcat comes in. He redoes everything. And the way they did it was, I guess they beat the shit out of the horse, and then he moved his mouth. And then, you know, there's a guy <laughs> off screen who would read the lines that that Bobcat was, you know, having dialogue with. Now, when you watch this, you might wonder, geez, this has some insano chainsaw editing, bizarre transitions, uh, just just crazy, crazy back and forth dialogue between the horse and I mean anyone the horse is talking to. Why would that be? Well, after they brought in Go Bobcat Goldthwaite. They decided, well, Elliot Gould's a problem, too. We got to rewrite this horse stuff. So uh, they, they brought in some people to do rewrites for the horse jokes and the horse dialogue. And also to kind of fit things to Bobcat so that it wasn't, you know, Joan Rivers. And in the process of doing that, they're like, all right, and then we're going to have John Candy do the line reads. John Candy comes in to do the, the dialogue. He goes, this sucks. <laughs> so he just ad-libbed everything. Ad-libbed the whole goddamn thing. Did not use anything that was written for him. You would so, think maybe they'd do this thing where they're like, we got this guy who's a movie star who has been the lead in many comedies, and we got this other guy whose main real attraction is his crazy voice. So what if we put the movie star as the star of the movie and the crazy voice guy as the guy who's voicing a fucking animal? You would think. You, you would absolutely think. think. That would make a lot more sense, but we're not here for things to make sense, Myros. Uh, also, you know, if you're writing a movie about a talking horse and you know you have to work with animals, I think it's important to understand those limitations and the innate comedic things that you can do with that. Now, Hot to Trot is particularly interesting because it doesn't approach the we're making a movie about a talking horse angle from any like rational standpoint and if i had to find its like film brethren out there in the universe i would actually point to roar the like 1970s movie 
filmed by some dumbass lunatic where live lions were just like mauling people. Sure, sure. And this, this is, is that a revenge film against the animal kingdom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and the decision to use a horse, who who thought that that was like a, a good, like someone just goes, oh, it'd be funny if we did a horse like Mr. Ed, whatever. Ha ha ha. Horse but, trading, I'm telling you. Yeah, but no one, no one really thought about like, is this the best animal for the job? There is a reason why you can go into the history of Hollywood and find 10,000 different movies where a chimpanzee is, is the animal companion. There is a reason why, you know, there was Air Bud and, and multiple sequels and the Air Buddies. There's probably 20 Air Bud universe films out there right now. But there's only one talking fucking horse movie. <laughs> okay? <laughs> this is not a good idea. Yeah, that, so, that was surprising. We initially did plan to make a real talking horse meal of this whole thing. And with the existence of Mr. Ed, we kind of figured there must be a few choices out there we could pair together. But no, this seems to be like the no. only goddamn talking horse movie. Only talking horse movie. So yeah, here we are. Complete hatchet job. No clue what's a reshoot, what's not. Uh, obviously, all the, the horse dialogue is ad-libbed by John Candy. And in our laps, we have the 1988 film Hot to Trot, which I got to say, I mean, I was high as fuck when I watched it, but it's, I think it's pretty funny. <laughs> I was stone cold sober and, and I like it. And now having heard about all the, the making of, I feel bad. So, oops. But it, you know, well, but it I, looks but like it I could be the self-righteous one among us and say that I do not care for this film <laughs> and I, I condemn its abusive animals. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you can't make an omelet without breaking a couple of eggs. You can't make a talking horse movie without apparently whipping a horse in the fucking face. <laughs> Who knew? Yeah. We've all learned something. Now, now I'm glad there aren't more talking horse movies. I just think the peanut butter trick would have worked fine. I don't, maybe Godfrey was fucking with everyone. He did that. Maybe it's, uh, you know, maybe it's, I'm just going to pretend. I'm just going to pretend he was because no, no animal should have had to suffer to make this fucking no. movie. <laughs> well, and, and this, I mean, this did not seem like a fun set to be on. Uh, one of the other anecdotes, which uh, Bobcat has mentioned in, in multiple interviews, was, so Don the horse it would constantly just shit on, on set. Yeah, he's so a fucking a, horse. Yeah. yeah, he's a fucking horse, exactly. Yeah. So there was this guy, he was one of the horse handlers, he was an old guy with a handlebar mustache named Corky, and Corky just sat on like a crate with a big shovel, and every time Don the horse would lift his tail up to take a shit, Corky would run over with this big shovel, and the, the shit would just fall onto the shovel, and it would never hit the, the set, which is great, okay? Shout I hope he got paid, paid appropriately, that seems probably more important than the script writing in this movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, <laughs> Bobcat says, and I quote, we were doing this serious scene and I saw the tail go up. I looked at Corky and he was sitting on an apple box and he doesn't move. Then he says, the horse had diarrhea and it just blasted the wall <laughs> and it blasted me. Everything from the neck down. It was like a Jackson Pollock of feces on the wall. And then the first AD said, oh, that's a wrap for today. <laughs> well, that's what <laughs> he ate just those, shut uh, down because the horse had diarrhea. They shouldn't have fed him those poisonous oats. <laughs> yeah, poisoned oats. That'll do it. 
But I just like the idea of of Corky is he just knows this horse is going to have an ass explosion, doesn't move. And then Bobcat Goldthwait gets painted with horse diarrhea. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say, because because I, I actually quite enjoyed this movie and I enjoyed this movie. Learning about its its production makes a certain degree of sense because this movie is absolutely like an anti-comedy mission statement. That's what it felt like to me. So it's, uh, it's, I suppose it's interesting to figure out, was it intended that way, or did it just happen through the machinations of the studio system? And it sounds like it was the latter, which maybe makes it even better, frankly. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because oh, everything this is, comes this together. This is a total studio. The studio was dead set on getting this out the door. And keep in mind, we live in an era where, like, Warner Brothers is like, oh, we just spent $200 million on a movie. Fuck it. Let's burn the whole thing. And, and this and, is but, not like the, the there's no one involved in this that's like some fucking anti comedy no. uh, Andy Kaufman writing the goddamn thing. Like Michael did well, is just I like mean, a hack TV producer. They, they like do they do have like like I mean I think like Bobcat Goldthwait's presence fundamentally is I mean Goldthwait's not an anti comic, but he was you know very much that alternative comedy that was like coming up at the eighties of like moving away from the the standard tropes of like oh women well, you know what are they doing you know and all the weird racial stuff they were doing not weird at all it was just racist um, it was very normal in fact um, but but you know he was kind of that that comedy alternative kind of thing that was coming that was much kind of stranger and more inward looking a little bit and more about kind of socially tinged a little bit, but like very strange and, and animated and kind of edgy and kind of peculiar. And then he'd set fire to the furniture on Conan O'Brien or whatever. Yeah, you I know? mean, I think there are like aspects of Bobcat that certainly, well, you could read that way about this era of Bobcat now, but from a studio head's perspective, I don't think he's anything other than Police Academy guy. Sure, no, you know, and I, like, I think that's oh, what they... front of this big studio comedy. He's just a dumb fuck guy with a dumb fuck voice, and he'll be in this dumb fuck horse movie. Uh, yeah, and I think probably, apparently that's what happened. I was like, maybe this is by design. No, apparently this is, this is the studio system finding its level, which I think is beautiful, because that's kind of what this film is about. Because... You know, I kind of was like looking at my like notes that I took on this on this movie, and you know, I think it's interesting. There's a whole subgenre, effectively, of movies about like a lay person finding like an agent of chance, often an animal, sometimes a computer program or something that allows them to get kind of the upper hand on the financial industry, and underpinning this subgenre, which is oddly popular and enduring is kind of, I think, you know, an understanding or a feeling that, you know, the finance industry is uh, horse shit. It's just complete mm -hmm. nonsense. Mm -hmm. It's a completely absurd construct and everything about it is basically just restricted access and a few people basically just throwing money back and forth between each other uh, that they've stolen from everyone else. You know, so, so it's like it's within that kind of a film, but... It also just occurred to me, and it feels it feels very obvious watching this film, in part because like I, I wrote down like there's there's an image early on in the movie where Bobcat and, and the horse are just basically watching TV, and it's like from the TV's viewpoint. So it's just a man and a horse sitting on a sofa, staring straight out <laughs> at the screen. And I saw it was this amazing mission statement, or you know, for for a p a work that is both critiquing the finance industry or poking fun at it, saying you know this uh, you know Wall Street is stupid and ridiculous and absurd. But also studio executives 
do the same thing to a degree. They they pretty much just look at scripts and they're like, you know, how much do people want to pay for this script? I'll pay $9 million. It's apparently the best estimated budget for Dot to Trot. Studio executives are like, we're in for $9 million on this to make it back. And they lost on that one. But, you know, they look at other movies every day. Studio executives are looking at movies and trying to, like, figure out, you know, what's the hot tip, what's going to work, what's not. And there's, I think, a degree of absurdity in that too. And this movie feels like it is, for me, kind of working along that vein, kind of like poking into it and kind of poking fun. And it's just really funny because I thought, you know, Bobcat Goldthwait being, you know, a guy who was, you know, uh, pushed back against uh, systems of authority within his institution of comedy and TV and movies and so on. Maybe he had a hand in this, but no, apparently the studio executives <laughs> did it themselves. And so, yep. okay, great. That's hot to trot. Amazing. Yeah, it's, I like it really Jack's is beautiful. Read on Zookeeper. We're going to have him watch that fucking chestnut. Is that the Frankie film? No, it's a, it's, uh, it's a fucking Kevin James movie. With, oh, a, with a very similar, like, underbaked plot where animals just start talking to him for no reason. Not because just... of, like, there's no, like, incident. That's the thing about this movie and that movie, I suppose, is that there's no... You think something incites, like, the talking horse business. Like, oh, Bobcat smashes his head in the stable. No, it's just these animals could talk. They just don't, except to this one oh, guy. It's, it's and this one in the beginning. chosen one. <laughs> Like, yeah. yeah, all horses like can the understand, but a yeah, horse. <laughs> all horses can understand English, only a chosen few can speak English, and um, whatever, Mr. Head uh, is is one of the chosen horses. But why doesn't he, he, he just, why does he somewhere. only talk to, to Bobcat? Well, because he trusts them, because I guess he's, why? he's found, <laughs> be, because Bobcat is, uh, you know, this plays back in, because Bobcat is an unaffected, unpretentious, uncultivated human. He's, he's the salt of the earth, uh, fundamentally in these films. He's like the great zero, you know, he's, he's the, he's, he has access to the institution of Wall Street, but he's not affected by it. You know, I mean, honestly, I think there is actually, and this is by far away not just something in Hot to Trot, there is this kind of, like, construct across a broad range of comedy where they're looking for, like, this, you know, idiot savant to mess up the system, but you're kind of looking at it going, like, so, ultimately, this is about a guy whose dad owns a brokerage firm, however stupid he is, he's probably had a pretty cushy life, it doesn't make a lot of sense, uh, you know, but anyway, I, you know, Hot to Trot, like I say, it just sticks to me as... A, a pretty impressive, like, I mean, the jokes in Hot to Trot are not, okay, I laughed at a few of them, they're there, there are jokes, so most of them yeah. involve Bobcat Goldway just screaming, that's probably a, just the best joke in and of itself. Always funny. But like, the, the real jokes in Hot to Trot are like, Virginia Madsen is done up and looking like a million goddamn bucks, beautiful, and then they just make her have to talk to a horse. That's hilarious on one level. That's an incredible thing. And studio executives all sat around going like, yeah, you know, this this is this works. We all signed <laughs> off. And apparently they signed off on it fucking twice. So even better. The more I think about this, the more I am absolutely in awe of the production of this film. This is a monument to the studio system. And frankly, oh, it's yeah. a monument to the studio system I would rather have back. Because at least back then it was like studio executives going, hey, I, you know, I'm, I think 
if we spend 10 million on this movie, we can make more back. If we spend 5 million on this movie, we can make more back. Whereas nowadays, all they do is like, I think if we spend 300 million on this, everyone will have to watch it. It's the only thing we can do. And that's oh, exactly. the current, current thing. And it's worse because frankly, Hot to Trot, Adam, like, be honest, is Hot to Trot worse than a, a Marvel movie? Well, I mean, it depends on the Marvel movie. No, it's it not doesn't. worse than all of wrong them. Answer. No, wrong answer. You're lying. No, Hot to Trot I don't is a know. better Sam movie. Sam Raimi just made a Marvel movie. It was fine. It was, it, was, it was fun. Uh, you know. Stop uh, looking uh, for the exception that proves the rule where they accidentally let a director do something for once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I, you know, it's not worse than all of them, which is saying something because all of them exist in, in it's a It's better than all a- of them because it has Burgess Meredith voicing a horse fly. It's got Gilbert Gottfried as a dentist. It has yeah. other elements routinely. This is, I mean, this is truly a monument to a, a world within Hollywood that no longer exists. The sure. fact that, I mean, this talking horse movie, they did reshoots instead of just like burning the whole thing to the <laughs> ground. Uh, and then the practical effects that exist. Not only do you have like an actual fucking horse instead of a CGI horse, because, you know, when it was made, but like the the effects that they use, they use like a little like claymation miniature for uh, Burgess Meredith as the horse fly because in Hot to Trot, for those who haven't seen it, uh, Don the horse, his dad, who is also a horse and played by Burgess Meredith, dies, but then is reincarnated as a horse fly. Because of course, but then they have this like little like miniature, I don't know if it's a puppet or like claymation thing, but it looks fucking great. And it then does. the end of the movie, because this movie does not end, it just stops. There's a difference between a movie ending and a movie stopping, and this movie stops. <laughs> yeah, well, you think, like, I don't know, you, 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 you're conditioned to think the end of this movie is gonna be like, six months later or something, that fucking John Candy horse is like, mounting his new fucking possession, uh, which, mm. uh, again, would... I guess they're horses, but uh, this the whole notion of like, why don't you buy this horse so I can have sex with them or something? It's oh, like, yeah, it's great. Like, it's Bobcat getting into the sex trader. He's going full Epstein. But anyways, yeah, so at the end of this, the, the practical effects look fucking amazing because uh, uh, Gilbert Gottfried, he has a cameo in this final scene as a dentist. And he's uh, because Don the horse is embarrassed about his big buck teeth or something. And so he's getting dental work done and also getting like a fucking, I don't know, bedazzled jewel on his horse teeth. Yeah, he's getting like yeah. a horse grill. <laughs> yeah, and there's this perspective shot from inside the horse's mouth and 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 Gilbert Godfrey is like looking into the horse's mouth and it looks fucking amazing. It looks fantastic. And, and again, also this is good. like, think about it, you never look a gift horse in the mouth. This movie has looking out of a horse's mouth. At mm. oh, it's that's the gift. There's there's that's elements the within this film that are conceptual, and yet, like that's surely that that exact rhyme had to have occurred to someone making the movie. You know, oh, never look gift horse in the mouth. We're gonna do the opposite, and it's like, but for who and why? <laughs> and that's it's the beautiful thing about this well, movie. Look, look who wrote the fucking movie. Like, if you're gonna have one writing credit to your name, it better be this. If your name is 
Nayer is his last name. <laughs> Stephen Nayer is a neighbor. Is there? It's. I think it's like. No, there's no B. It literally Nayer. is just the horse. Nayer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because I saw his name at the start, and I was like, "That's a." He might be a horse again. This. This is again like why I assumed this was like Goldthwait or someone working in an anti-comedy mode, just like you know, kind of goofing off. Because like Stephen Nayer can't be the fucking writer of Hot to Trot, but apparently this man is. He exists. Does he have yeah, other credits? Unless, unless horse Bobcat related? Goldsway was like fucking going through and ghostwriting episodes of Barney Miller, then uh, nope, it's They're not him. Incredible. <laughs> you know, this movie, just there's so much to it. It's it's just absolutely remarkable to me. Also, a thing that I really like about this movie is that, um, like, normally in the other films of this subgenre of, like, animal or agent of chance, you know, you know, predicts or is really good at, you know, the stock market. Um, it's, it's like subgenre. It's subgenre, yeah, we just got, you know, it's, it's a thing that happens, you know. Um, but, but there's one, like, there's at least okay. one with a chimpanzee that does it. Uh, I don't know. Sure. But, you know, MVP, most valuable primate. Yeah, is he, well, is it the stock market? <laughs> I don't know if it's a stock market specifically, but an institution <laughs> subverted by some kind of an element it, this is a thing I'm sure I've seen other movies that do this I couldn't name them off the top of my hand, head because I because I, I probably watched them all when I was a child but still Jack, I, I think what you're reaching for is this is basically working girl but the girl's a horse there you go beautiful <laughs> there's that what was that um, what was the computer war that tennis the shoes about <laughs> I, I don't remember what that the plot for that one was but in any case I think like normally in these kind of setups there would be some element of like that you know what's weird to me is like Don isn't actually good at the stock market at all he just overhears things and relays them because he can talk uh, which is strangely pragmatic, I suppose. I don't know. There's no yeah. sense. There's and he's lonely. That's that's the whole thing. He just wants sure. he just wants something to do. He wants a friend. He wants some purpose. And so, yeah, he overhears this shit, and it makes it seem like he's good at it, but he's not. Yeah, it's opportunistic. Also, and I where don't did you get the what... coffee thing from? I, that just kind of came on the How did he, he, he dial like the coffee. telephone? Is another thing they don't they don't with his, show with that. his little snoot. He just pokes it with his nose. You guys oh. have no answer for the coffee. Oh, what I'm like, with invest, coffee, I'm... invest in coffee. I'm like, oh, what? Oh, <laughs> Maybe yeah. he is good at the stock market. I guess I don't know. He didn't get like a hot tip on that one. He was just like, based coffee. on what we've based on what we've heard, there's a strong chance there's several scenes that set up the coffee tip that just got excised because Joan Rivers <laughs> was in them. Yeah, Myros, <laughs> if you have any questions about this movie, it's like either one, it's on the cutting room floor with Joan Rivers, or two. You're asking more questions than the screenwriters asked of their own script. Well, so that's, that's, that's the thing to me is when we talk about, hey, there's some there's some weird constructions and like playing with like uh, turns of phrase and visualizing things. And it's like, are we attributing that to any purpose whatsoever? Because this movie is vapor like this is the barest skeleton of a fucking script. To be fair, when Don's horse dad dies there's literally <laughs> the sound of a bucket being kicked that's true that's they they know about wordplay they know about like puns and little things like that it's it's you all would in think there they could have at least like had a horse kick a bucket no just they the couldn't sound. get it in the it's shot. better that way it's I just like yeah. just the sound I mean, most of like the audio visual gags in this they they feel like they're kind of attributed to uh, it's there's a lot of like live action looney tune shit going on in here but they don't have the the budget or the filmmaking chops to really pull it off. 
So it makes everything weirder because it really makes you question what is just pure chaos and, and circumstance and, and what is like the actual film that they're trying to convey to their audience. And, and what there. is like, it sounds like maybe a portion of this film is literally, they were just so tired from having beat the shit out of a horse every day. Yeah. Like what, what are you even in the mood to make after? It's almost like fucking, you know, one of those like movies about like a really dark topic. Like they just, they probably just did themselves out of like the creative spirit to, to endeavor to do more. It's There's a fair. lot going I, on here, Adam. It's just, I, I mean, it's just, it, it feels like, everything's a mistake like you're talking about this kick the bucket <laughs> thing like like that just feels like a mistake like it, it there, there has to be a visual accompaniment otherwise you're just like what was that clanging <laughs> no, it's just it's just because <laughs> we know it's kick the bucket i mean like i say you the, the make it hot to trot you don't you can't trust that your audience understands what the fuck that's who even is be? the audience no one knows it's not for kids necessarily it's like it's no, it's, it's rated pg but like I don't know. There's there's all these weird things that are like, well, I don't, yeah, I there's mean, my no favorite, child in the world that should watch this. Yeah, my favorite joke in the movie is when Don the horse is depressed and orders a package that is just a horse blow-up doll. So yeah, I, yeah that's, that's, that's not very child appropriate. <laughs> and then he's like suicidal and threatening to like jump off the fucking building. <laughs> <laughs> but again, like, like uh, Adam, like what are the jokes in this movie? Again, the joke is like, that Bobcat Goldthwait contractually is the lead in this film. Like, that's yeah, that's, a, that's joke. a joke. That's incredible. Like, the actual construction of the film itself. It's like, here's John Candy as a horse in a movie that's rated PG saying the line, hey, what's it like to have sex while looking directly at your partner? Or something <laughs> yes. like that, because a horse fucks a horse from behind. Like, I just... Funny. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. It's, and it's what other hilarious. movie would that fit into? You know, there's. Yeah. I mean, I got also John Candy like as a horse in the middle of an important horse race, yelling a gay slur at another horse in order to psychologically damage him and get a head, a, a fucking hoof up on the competition. Very confusing. <laughs> like, what is scene. going on here? I must admit, I was somewhat confused that in this film about a talking horse who plays the stock market, that it ends with a horse race. I was a little confused about that. Yeah, and they I have this whole big plan, race. like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna get in these horses' heads so they don't race well." And you're like, "Okay, this is gonna have to be executed." Like, they're gonna be in the stable. He's gonna be. They're gonna be darting around, sowing fucking yeah. malcontent. Like a no. montage or something. Nope, yeah. nope, no. This is all happens while they're racing, and he's somehow like running down <laughs> the Kentucky Derby winners or something, and on the fly, like calling them yeah slurs. And yeah, uh, it's, it's very confusing because he's <laughs> like the joke is he's actually a thoroughbred, but like obviously he's not. You know, he's he's just a horse. You know, like he might be a thoroughbred, but he's not a race horse generally. But then he keeps pace with all the horses. He catches all of them. So I guess he pre- he yeah, maybe could have just won the race. Bobcat on his back. <laughs> <laughs> right. And this is another another one of the like actual gags that got me laughing. And, and maybe the, again, this is I was really high. Um, it, when there Bobcat is they they bring Don to this fucking race and enter him, and they don't have a jockey. And Bobcat ends up being the jockey. But there's this whole sequence where they're interviewing jockeys. And Bobcat's not doing a good enough job. So Don the talking horse is like, let me just interview them. <laughs> So they put this like bag over Don's <laughs> snout so you can't see him moving, but you hear his voice and then Bobcat is like 
just like miming things and like moving his lips and it's fucking hilarious yeah that whole interview uh, thing like yeah, all, all the candidates they went through I'm, I'm like yeah and into the horse race even i'm like okay now we're moving along i, I don't know what the fuck it has to do with the rest of the I'm movie but you, man, man it's zippy <laughs> dude dude i'm telling you if, if you want hot to trot to find an audience upload clips of all these funny bits to like fucking tiktok or something let the next generation embrace Hot to Trot because when you cobble this all together, it's a mess. Like it falls apart as a film, yeah. but as individual vignettes disconnected from a larger narrative, it's fucking hilarious. I'll and then when you realize it's part of a larger narrative and you know all the machinations around it, it becomes even funnier. Yeah, it's just so it's so strange because this this movie is maybe 80 minutes long, like maybe 83, uh, I believe. I yeah. know, but the, if we take out the credits, we're, oh, we sure, are, yeah, it, it does that great be. trick where, where you do the callback credits to like eat a couple of minutes in, yeah, yeah, it, it's crawling to 80 minutes. And yet, if you look at the plot, the, the plot resolves long before that, like it, it, the oh, horse sure. race takes up like a, a good like quarter of the movie, at least, I would say, and really the like the climax and resolution is bobcat being locked in a bathroom while his oat prices fucking plummet or something and then after that it, it, it just kind of quits <laughs> it's like okay i guess we'll, we'll do a horse race it, like, it is a little thin on the ground certainly we'll, we'll yeah, we, we could this. maybe get an hour out of this uh, base concept of of the horse stock trade <laughs> Right, yeah, yeah, you know, but so, so be it. It is also unclear who, yeah, like the film is for, because I mean, it's got the big animal party, which seems kind of like, uh, you know, kid friendly, but then obviously a bunch of the rest of it's pretty risque. Very, you know, very confusing film, but you know, uh, yeah, it kind of works for me. I, I really, I keep, I keep saying this. I really want to double build build this movie with uh, Michael J. Fox's Secret of My Success, because I think it's like a really great. Because Secret of My Success strikes me as like this really odd 80s movie in that it's basically about how dysfunctional like the world of business is. But it also kind of resolves with like, but we want in, like we want part of it. Like business is all messed up and it's goofy and it doesn't make any sense. And I want mine, which is a very distracting and strange message. And then this movie is, like I've said, just pretty much kind of like the world of business is completely abstract. And here's Bobcat Goldthwait standing next to a horse. And it's sort of like it's it's like a full embodiment of it. I think it would be an amazing double bill, but I think maybe ultimately it might confuse people who aren't as just incredibly ingenious as myself. So mm -hmm. you know, yeah. But maybe <laughs> we could do it. Maybe we could try it hey, out. You know, it, uh, in further defense of Hot to Trot, a good way to start a sentence, by the way. Sure. Uh, soundtrack, fucking great. Uh, you know, you got uh, the replacements shooting dirty pool is is in the movie. Uh, you've got a great sequence with the Beastie Boys. You got to fight for your right to party, uh, and that's early Beastie Boys. So they're kind of getting ahead of the the curve here. I don't I don't think that was like a major smash album at the time. And uh, yeah, I mean the use of tutti frutti is fucking weird. <laughs> Just another, see, I think like, that's I think that's a great scene again. Like this is part of my case for how I felt like this was purposefully built this way, which apparently I was wrong about. But so be it. Sometimes <laughs> this is how art can work. There's it's a great scene because he he's in his uh, open top Mercedes sports car, like an icon emblem of financial success. And he's blasting Tutti Frutti and he's driving around just like singing badly. And he pulls up next to a businessman in the exact same car who's very straight laced and just sitting there. I feel like there's this wonderful 
wonderful commentary within that that like the the people who can afford this car don't enjoy they don't know what to do they don't live at all whereas bobcat goldthwaite is just going crazy because he's never had this stuff before and it feels like something but apparently it isn't and i think that's amazing yeah God, the yeah. way that sequence plays out too where it starts with him it, it's fucking obviously non-diegetic but it starts with him like playing it on the piano and lip-syncing it even though it's not playing so i'm like am i meant to, <laughs> is this supposed to be I, I i don't know it's very confounding it's like are we supposed to think that bobcat suddenly sounds like little rich <laughs> like what the fuck yes. is this? <laughs> i mean it's it, not it, his real voice maybe, maybe he can sing like that who yeah. knows that's what People i thought they were doing like legitimately i'm like are they doing th this <laughs> this is what they're doing and then it just kind of cycled into a driving how, montage <laughs> how good would it have been if we took steve's initial impulse like the idea that you know or sorry adam it was used to just you know bobcat goldthwaite's funny voice maybe he should be voicing the funny animal if they'd gone that way but kept and swapped it so that bobcat goldthwaite plays himself doing the funny voice and then he voiced the horse deadpan that could have been a movie i'll tell <laughs> you there, what, what if he does what if he does funny voice for the horse he still acts as Bobcat, but then they dub someone else's voice over Bobcat. Or how See, about did a whole movie where everyone talks like Bobcat Goldthwait, and it's just how people talk in this world, <laughs> including horses who can talk. You say, this is saving money left and right here. We only have one lead now. You don't have to pay yeah, John Candy. all Bobcat. Uh, you could probably have also saved on the prosthetics for Dabney Coleman, because I, I don't really know what the fuck is going on with that. Who decided Does Dabney that Coleman in? needed buck teeth? Why? I don't know. Does that tie in because a horse is buck teeth, which uses yeah. to ultimately win a race, which is a plot point. Dabney Coleman has buck teeth. No, yep. no connection. <laughs> just does not no, make zero. sense. Yeah, he just has buck teeth. So every time he th says a line in the movie, it's like, ha, sha, 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 sha. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. It does, yeah, it does feel like it's just like people with bad teeth are lesser people. And that's what we're leading into, which, you know, 80s comedy was full of stuff like that. It's wonderful. But uh, yeah, no, it's mm -hmm. it's great to, to see Dabney Coleman, our, our friend of the podcast, because we did a whole yeah, of War Games, uh, Cloak and Dagger inadvertent Dabney Coleman double bill we didn't realize it's in oh, it. Oh yeah. And now we got Sexy this. Sexy Dabney like, Coleman. Dabney Coleman shows up. I where where else can we go with this guy's incredible career full of peaks and valleys and valleys beneath the valleys. <laughs> yeah. Just uh tunnels that go all the way down <laughs> to the core of the earth. <laughs> what a man. What a man. Uh but yeah again this is there there's nothing else like this. Okay, I mean, and, and that's really the thing you got to focus in on. I think when people lump this in, they're like, oh, it's a bad movie, it's stupid, it's bad, blah, 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 blah. You, you're missing the point. It is not a, it does not follow any rules that would make it a traditionally good movie. There's nothing like formally good about what you're watching. But everything in it is so strange and so chaotic that it's almost naturally compelling. It feels like you're watching something that you shouldn't be watching. It's like you're watching a horrible mistake. Again, I mentioned it earlier. You've ever seen the movie Roar, where a guy, you know, is filming actual lions and the actual lions are interacting with people and really hurting them. Like people were seriously injured on the set of that movie. It's kind of like you're watching a less violent version of that. You're watching something, you're like, oh my God, 
this is such a bad idea and they're just doing it and they're just going with it and there's 80 minutes of this it it and definitely has amazing. that like energy of like the the joke movie poster in another movie that just came to life like mm-hmm. absolutely this feels like the insert for like a family guy tv show you know cutaway but that's kind of where the energy for me comes from because it's like this this entire movie shouldn't be happening like it it no no one should have paid money for this no one should have exactly. gotten Bobcat Goldthwait and Virginia Madsen and Dabney Coleman and John Candy together and apparently Elliot Gould and Joan Rivers at one point and pay them all money to create this. This is an absolutely insane monolith to absurdity. And I think yeah. that's, you know, that's got to be worth something. There's a bunch of other movies that are just boring. So this is better than that. So, you know, full on, full, full appreciation for, for the, the joys of Hot to Trot. It's, it's something. And not yeah, and not something true. many other people could aim for, frankly, because they could never bankroll this much horse shit. It is it <laughs> is shit. it's almost something by virtue of being absolutely nothing. Like it is just <laughs> it's almost inconceivable that like a script could get this far along in the process and draw this many expensive names to it and and not be like reworked to make some amount of sense to just like follow the basic rules slightly. Like it's like, and again, I would kill, I would absolutely fucking kill to see a copy of this script. I want to see what it looks like. It's like fucking six dinner napkins. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's kind of, it's kind of where we're at. Like I, I, I need more on this and there is a, I think the Warner archive did a release of hot to trot uh, on DVD. I I don't believe it's available on Blu-ray. The copy that I was able to get is 720p, though, so maybe it there could be it could a be high it could be version. streaming somewhere. I don't yeah. know. Could be. Could not be. It's not available yeah. currently on any streaming service, although it's got big Tubi energy, so hopefully it'll end up there at some point. Uh, but I, I would I would recommend if if any of this sounds intriguing to you, fucking track it down. Get yourself some fucking edibles. Just ride the <laughs> wavelength. It's, oh, it's going to be worth know. it for you. Personally, I'm not big on Family Guy. You know, I don't like that that sort of Family Guy cutaway energy. I, I know Jack just sits around all day watching that shit, but for me, I try to go a little more highbrow, and I also don't support hitting horses in the mouth with whips. So, uh, I mean, I'm going to be the dissenting listen, voice and say just, you could probably just because you get your belly laughs watching reruns of the Lawrence Welk show. That doesn't mean that you got to drag everybody else down with you. I'm just saying, I think there's a tension here between studio executives joking about the finance sector while writing checks for this specific movie. I think there's something (laughs) there. That's all I'm saying. I think there is. See, yeah, that's interesting (laughs) to think about. Uh, You could could pull up the IMDb page and go, boy, that's curious. (laughs) And that'd be a a better experience than watching the fucking movie. (laughs) Maybe, maybe, possibly, possibly. Who's to say? Anyways, uh, yeah, this one's this one's tough to find, but uh, all of our friends at, at Vinegar Syndrome, or I don't know, maybe Severin or Kino or shit, even the Warner Archive, you, you guys are, I don't care, maybe Shout Factory. This is a Shout Select. This is, sure. 100%, this is 100% a film Vinegar Syndrome would release in 4K oh, if yeah. they get it. And I want, absolutely I want 4K, I want the, the, the VSU treatment, you know, what, what they did with... Uh, fucking cloak and dagger uh, and stuff yeah, cloak yeah. and dagger and Beastmaster and and the uh, upcoming roadhouse i want just 4k i want a thousand different supplements i need to know everything about this movie because again i 
absorbed every single interview, everything I could find on this film. And I still have a million questions. I'm so, I'm glad this has sparked such curiosity in you and me quite the opposite. But uh, you've got to be careful because <laughs> this is in the Warner archive and I'm pretty sure they're set to light fire to that in active insurance fraud soon enough. So uh, we better be true. careful it's, with it's these prints. It's not insurance fraud. It's apparently entirely <laughs> legal. <laughs> yeah. Which, God, I, I hope they don't trash the, uh, they just, like, burn the reels with the Joan Rivers cut. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody release the Joan Rivers work print. I need it. I need it. None of this makes sense. Joan Rivers is just some weird, like, multi-generational lesbian relationship with fucking oh, Virginia Madsen. What would Madsen? it even be? Like, it would just be Joan Rivers just, like, dressing down a horse. Like, she just, you know, like, making fun of his, like, the teeth. He's, he's, he's concerned about his teeth which only come up at the very end and actually help him by having buck teeth or whatever. I mean, he just has horse teeth. He's a horse. Yeah. Did that come because, like, previously it was, like, just Joan Rivers just joshing him on his teeth all the time? Because that's what she would have done. I, I have no idea. And, and the whole thrust of the movie, especially the beginning, it doesn't make sense anymore. Because even though, like, you know, Bobcat, he doesn't look like a young guy and he doesn't have the best hairline in the world. But he was 24, 20 fucking four when he made Hot to Trot. And he, yeah, he looks 44, but he's, he's 24. <laughs> okay. And, and the idea that Joan Rivers, who, how the fuck old was she at the time? In her 60s? I don't know. Like, she had to be old as shit. So how do you, how does she even fit in to the framework the movie has created? I don't know. I need the Joan Rivers cut. I need Elliot Gould. I need everything. See, I, I figure. all the Hot to Trot. I would posit Virginia Madsen's character doesn't exist at all, and that Joan Rivers is is like an underling of Dabney Coleman, who's not getting any respect in the office. And uh, yeah, I mean they, they'd have to. I mean it yeah. it wouldn't work. And to be fair, Virginia Madsen doesn't have a lot to do here. No, certainly not. Very funny. Everything they do make her do. Yeah, it's it's odd. I don't know. Anyways, let's wrap this thing up. Myros, what are you putting over this week? You know, uh, last week I made an offhand disparaging remark that the cyberpunk anime was not really worth recommending after watching one episode. You know, much like the game, there's like this kind of barrier where you're like, why is everything in this fucking just throwing dildos out everywhere and trying to be like this extreme bullshit? And... Once you kind of get over that initial hump, uh, it turns out it's pretty fucking great, and the anime is kind of the same way. You gotta you gotta get past the initial distastefulness of of the the very anime uh, approach and aesthetics, and kind of just give yourself over to it a little bit. And uh, man, it's good. It's it's well worth the the brief ten wow. episode runtime. Took two hundred episodes, but now you like anime, huh? I mean, wow. it's it's very fucking Akira. It's, it's a very Akira ripoff, which is where you're going to get me on the anime, I guess. Mm. You want to make some knockoff Akira, you can probably get me to give it a, a few hours of my time. <laughs> Jack, I think we're going to have to do some hentai for Myro soon. Oh, like, 100%. Let's on the schedule. I, yeah, yeah, we can't wait for episode 300. We're probably episode 201 oh, should be the hentai optimism hentai, vac- yeah. vaccine spectacular. I want a fuckload of hentai. I want that. What, is it called Overlord or something like that? I want to watch oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Revenge of the or what? Legend of the Overfiend. Yeah, Overfiend. That's, That's the what one. we're going to make. Myra's going to watch that Overfiend. Yeah. 
We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to fucking slap his dick with the back of our hands and spray it down with some cold water. <laughs> yeah, that's probably about the only way I'd get going watching those goddamn cartoons. <laughs> All right, Jack, what are you putting over this week? Uh, God, you know, it, it's it took me four months, but I finished Elden Ring. So you know, and and I gotta admit, you know what? After playing it pretty much incessantly for four months in like two hour increments wherever I could, because sadly I just, so, you know, just it, you hit a certain age and you just you can't do the gamer hours that you used to. Like when I was in my my early twenties, you know, I could probably would have finished it in in a week. I don't know, but it took much longer. But it's very good. I very much enjoyed it. So I fully recommend Elden Ring. Probably one of the most beloved video games of the last couple of months. It's probably going to win all the prizes. But I'm also going to put my word in and say it's good. And you should believe me more than industry people who yeah. know about stuff. That's right. Yeah, a horse gamer told him it was very good. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Hot horse tip, Elden Ring's good. There is a horse in the game, so she doesn't talk, though, which is now, I realize, a, a kind of a missed opportunity. Yeah. Someone should do a mod for Elden Ring where they just have Bobcat do one-liners whenever you ride your horse. <laughs> no, John can't. Putting that out into the universe. <laughs> it could be done. I mean, 100%, you could yeah. be just, just walking around and just have just this commentary from, from a horse. It'd be amazing. Be great, be great. Some something to think about. All right. Well, since I'm the only one who gives a good goddamn about cinema around here, uh, I'm gonna recommend Pick Up on South Street, the Sam Fuller movie. It's great. It's everything that I want from a Sam Fuller movie, which is it's uh, it's gritty, it's mean, it's bleak, and it looks fucking amazing. Is it the best Sam Fuller movie? No. Are you a person who's sitting around going like, man, I would like to watch some Samuel Fuller? Where should I begin? Pick Up on South Street, probably a good place to start. So. Uh, highly recommend it. There's a Criterion version that looks great, so I don't know. Go watch that. You'll enjoy yourself. And with that, thank you again. 200 episodes. That's a big fucking deal, man. So uh, we appreciate all your support. And if you want to support us more, there's a link in the description of this podcast that'll take you to our Patreon page, and you can give us money. Why would you give us money? Well, podcasting costs money, and we don't have a lot, and God damn, we got to buy Adam Myros a gun, don't we? Isn't that what we're here to do? Oh, I think so. Yeah, uh, Those horses just... won't hunt themselves. Yeah, exactly. How's, how's he going to get... We got to get him a... Uh, what, what's the gun that, that won the West? We need to get him a Winchester repeating rifle so he can ride a horse and, uh, and shoot things, as one does, right? Uh, and would you shoot, like, buffalo rather than horses? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Anyways, I don't think uh, the, yeah, the so, cowboys would are out shooting horses. It seems like they had use for them. <laughs> so, yeah, if you want to give us some money, uh, any amount would be super helpful. And no matter what you donate, if you live in the continental United States, I will send you a movie from my personal collection. I have a big box in my basement of shit that goes to Patreon subscribers. I just added a few more things to it. So, yeah, you got you got some fresh shit coming your way. It could be a Blu-ray, could be a DVD. Laserdisc box set, weird VHS that I pick up at a yard sale. Anything is a possibility. I got a lot of weird shit. And I mean, you, you got to sign up and get your free movie. And otherwise, I'm just going to slowly start mailing one every other day to Jack's house until his wife threatens to kill me. So just, just know he's, Steve's not lying. One day I brought in the mail and I received a laser disc of a fucking 
What, Frank Travolta movie? Yeah. Frank Travolta. <laughs> Jack Travolta's brother. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Which I yeah, still that's... have, because what are you supposed to do with that? Exactly. Who do Display I mail it, it to? Yeah. Uh, tell your wife you're going to frame it and hang it in the living room. I'm tempted. Fuck it. Why not? <laughs> Lead in. Yeah, why not? You know, I, you've, you've got a lovely, lovely condo, but I think it needs a little more artwork on the wall. Just, yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways yeah you you can you get a free movie and and then at higher tiers if you're at five dollars a couple things you get added there you can vote on future content we'll probably have another vote coming up soon uh also if you subscribe at any tier you get access to our entire backlog of, of written and special podcast content and we occasionally release bonus episodes as well and at five dollars above you get your name writ uh read out on the air so myros who do we have in that tier uh, we have for uh, Ryan, Evan, Dustin, CWW, Paula, and Kofax Kropotkin. Hello, this is Stephen Coleman, uh, occasional contributor to the Optimism Vaccine Podcast, and uh, my I'm can't tell you how excited I am that uh, you guys are uh, doing an episode on Hot to Trot. Sorry, I couldn't be there. Hot to Trot, a very important film in my life. Um, I remember being a toddler, or at least a four to five year old kid, and my mom had started a job at JCPenney on the weekends, and my dad would babysit my brother and I, and I swear to God, for a period of at least a year, we would watch Hot to Trot every Saturday afternoon. Um, Bobcat Goldthwait was very approachable to us. It was easy to understand his humor at that young of an age. Uh, we were big fans of John Candy, as was my father, and I think that's why he played the film so often. Um, and it just was one of those movies that was always significant to my upbringing. I packed it away for a long time, but I always remembered it, and then I rewatched it again. Uh, probably at some point in my early 30s, so fairly recently, and um, was <laughs> a little disappointed in the um, homophobic slurs that John Candy used and lines that he allegedly improvised, um, but uh, maybe he was just really getting into character. Uh, I hope that's the case. <laughs> anyway, um, still have some level of appreciation for the film. Gabby Coleman is always uh, fantastic in that role as a uh, the always evil guy in every 80s movie and even going into the 90s. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame that it wasn't a, a worldwide smash, but again, it's... Um, Memories of just it being on HBO literally every Saturday morning from probably the years of like 1989 to 1992. It was always there. It was always there for me. And I think that after you listen to the early days of the podcast, eight years ago, sneaking into the um, media school offices with six packs of beer. 
Hey guys, it's Jake. Happy 200th. Sorry I uh, couldn't be there, but uh, I'm glad we've hit this uh, monumental milestone in optimism vaccine history. Uh, the rate we're going, if we do only OVFs, our uh, next 200 episodes will land on uh, July 30th, 2026. So we got that to look forward to. Uh, speaking of the episode, I did do my due diligence and watch Hot to Trot. Uh, not great, I would say. Not really a good movie, but uh, probably in the uh, upper echelon of talking horse movies. And uh, it seems very much to be one of those films where a uh, stand-up comics persona would try to parlay into a feature film role. Uh, but in that regard, it is 100 times better than Dice Rules. So uh, I would happily watch Hot to Trot again over that. And uh, I think that's a good adage to take uh, into the next 200 episodes, is just to uh, keep surprising us with uh, films that may not be as bad as uh, originally intended. Uh, looking forward to doing many more. And uh, final word, a wop baba loobop, a wop bam boom. Hey, this is Sean. Um, so I have a few ideas for what gun Myro should get. Uh, I'm sure he has a couple ideas of his own, knowing, you know, what what such a gun nut he is. But um, I have to say, I think I have some ideas worth considering. Um, so one option, uh, a uh, semi-automatic 7.62 NATO MK11 sniper, sniper rifle. Uh, that's one. Um, another one I was kind of juggling around was the uh, the 5.56 NATO M MK12. Um, that would be a designated marksman rifle. Um, but I think he should get it modified with a lower receiver of uh, an, probably an M4A1 just to get a, a collapsible stock and, and allow like full auto fire. Um, and lastly... You know, your mileage may vary on this, but I think a Remington 700-300, which was later, you know, classified as an MK-13 Mod 1. Um, but I, I just think that those are all decent ideas. Um, I mean, if it was good enough for Chris Kyle, it should be good enough for Myros. God bless them all. Five and above crew. And if you go even higher, then, you know, once a year, you get to dictate an episode that we do, which is how exciting is that for you? Maybe exciting. I don't fucking know. Yeah. So, if you liked last week's episode or you hated it, uh, you know, blame Kofax Kropotkin. Yeah. Adam and, and has to watch Hentai if you make him. Yeah. If you make him. If you make him. I, I really, I, it's amazing how much respect our, our patrons have for us because they, they always choose lovely things. We have them vote. They choose something nice. We, uh, you know, we get someone who pays for a request. They choose something really interesting. 90s Jackie Chan. Meanwhile, I'm I'm over here going, I had a dream about a horse. We're going to do Hot to Trot. So you're better people than I am. And uh, we, we love you for that. Now, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, you can email us. OptimismVaccine at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Adam Myros, always hit and refresh on the inbox. Uh, also a good place if you, if you do have ideas for an episode, no guarantee unless you pay, but shit, we'd, uh, we'd love to hear some ideas. If you have any feedback, love to hear it. And uh, also, if you want to, you can tweet at us at optimism vaccine on Twitter. So that would be cool. Trying to get our slow March to a thousand followers on Twitter, uh, but not enough porn bots have signed up. So if you're a porn bot, make sure you smash that.
follow button. We'd really appreciate it. Other than that, Jake's not here, so no one gets the last word. But uh, yeah, thanks again. 200 episodes. It's a big fucking deal. Yeah.